Thank you for tuning in to the Black Money Tree Podcast, hosted by entrepreneur, investor, and philanthropist, Jerome D. Love. We are committed to teaching you how to build wealth so that you can build your community. At the Black Money Tree, our goal is to empower wealth creation and create economic self-sufficiency in order to empower generations to come. Society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never enjoy. Season one is powered by Wells Fargo Bank. Welcome to the Black Money Tree Podcast. Welcome to the Black Money Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome D. Love, and I'm excited about what we're doing here with the Black Money Tree because we're helping you to build wealth so that you can build your community. When you look at any of the negative statistics that face the African-American community, whether it be high school dropout rates, prison populations, there's one commonality, and that's income. And we believe that if we're going to build strong, sustainable black communities, it's going to be because we have the resources to do so. Now, we advocate at the Black Money Tree on entrepreneurship and real estate investing. And today, I'm happy to have one of the country's top entrepreneurs, a young man that I've known for many years. I say young man, he's probably the same age as me. But we went to college together, um, and he's doing some big things in an industry that really doesn't have a lot of African Americans. So um, we'd like to welcome to the Black Money Tree, Mr. Kevin Knight, who is the president, CEO of Urban Events Global. So, Kevin, welcome to the Black Money Tree Thank podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And no, good to see you again. Uh, good to see you as well. So I'm going to start out on a lighter note. So when I hit you up a couple of weeks ago and I text <laughs> you, I said, hey, Kev, I want to get you on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I sent you the link to the podcast. Ten minutes later, I got a tag on Facebook and you posted it and you put a comment, something to the effect of the first entrepreneur I ever met is yeah. right here. I thought he was crazy or on drugs. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so so talk about. Uh, why you said that. Uh, Absolutely. And, 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 and I think it really speaks to the way we're taught. Um, I don't want to say just African-Americans, maybe as our society, about right. what we're supposed to do when we grow up and right. about business. So talk a little bit no, about you, that. You're absolutely right. So I met you in the fall of 1997. Okay. And or I don't even know if I met you. I knew who you were in the fall of 1997. Yeah. That was my, my freshman year at UT. And you had the Goo Gogs brand, Get yeah. Up, Get Out, Get Something. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? What is he like? We're in school, like, we're, like, we're, like we're in school trying to get an education, get our get our degree, like our parents told us, and go work for someone, right? And so, why are you wasting your time doing this thing? Like, that's there's no money in that. Like, we're, like, what is he doing? This guy is crazy, but you know, whatever. That's not my problem. And 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 so I watched it, and I was like. I didn't even know what probably the word entrepreneur meant back then, to be honest with you. I, I don't even know if that was a concept that I thought about in 1997. Um, and so to see you grow that brand and you hustled, like you hustled, you wore the shirts, you, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. And it took me probably a couple of years to get what you were doing. And then I watched your progress over the last 20 plus years. And I said, this guy was on to something before we knew to be on to something. Yeah. And so when you sent me the invitation for the podcast, I, that was on my, that's been on my mind for years, but it just never, yeah. I never had a, a, a reason to mention it. Then you reached out and I was like, I'm going to let the world know or let my world know yeah. this is the first entrepreneur I actually knew in real life right here in front of me. Wow. So, man. so, so I, 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 congratulations to you. Man, you thank know, you for, so for, much. For, you may have motivated more people than you even know or that have even mentioned that to you. So 
Yeah. And, and you're not even my frat brother. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you so, know, I was going to say that because obviously we were on opposing sides of the camp. I was that black and gold. He was that red and white. Yep, yep. So we kind of stayed on our other side. So I knew who you were. Right. But when you played, it was like, he ain't going to be cool with me. We didn't have a, we didn't have a reason to big up each other. Yeah, just yeah, say that, yeah. So you know? I had no clue yep. that uh, we were having that impact on, on you guys. And, of course, Kappas were probably, Kappas and Alphas were probably the two largest fraternities. Absolutely. So we were kind of vying for top billing. So Absolutely. It, so, but no, that, that, that really means a lot, man. And I really appreciate you, you, you sharing that. So now you, once you graduated, mm -hmm. you went into corporate America. Absolutely. So talk about that and then how you actually got into what you're doing now. Absolutely. So I went directly into corporate America for the next 16 years. Okay. Uh, I went into financial services, right? Stocks, okay. bonds, mutual funds, investments, real estate investment trust, private equity. And um, that was cool and all. In a nutshell, uh, I was from a scale from one to 10. I was probably at like a seven as far as satisfaction. Um, but I was being two different people. I was being the corporate America Kevin during the day and then the party go have fun Kevin at night. Yeah. And that, that gets old. That gets real old after yeah. a while because you're not you're not being who you really want to be 24 seven. Yeah. And that's no that's no way to, to live life. Yeah. At the same time, I didn't have a passion for anything that that made money that I could do from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Right. Yeah. There's no money in hanging out or at yeah. least at least you don't think you there is. So. until yeah. you until you figure that out. Yeah. And so I started doing my camping trip just with my friends, family, just hanging out. And it just got bigger and bigger and it grew to the point to where now what I'm doing outside of work is competing for the same hours that what I'm doing, you know, for what I'm doing during the day. Um, that gets old as well, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you get off at around 6 p.m., you get home, you try to eat, but now you have a bunch of emails and work to do yeah. and you get exhausted. Yeah. Something has to give. So I'm like, well, if something has to give, this corporate America thing can give real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, now at this point, my mom thought I was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And she said, Kevin, I'm going to, I'm going to come check on you because she knew how much work and time I put into um, my career, you know, my series seven licenses, my CFP, all my certifications. I was going to throw all that away to go do a camping trip. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to anybody until I showed my mom the math behind it and how I was going to be able to pay the bills. Yeah. And, and I knew I had a bigger plan. So once she saw that, she said, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I just, it, it just grew from there. So let me ask you this. And if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. Uh, has your income uh, exceeded what you were working in, in, absolutely. in corporate America? I, I, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I was doing extremely well in corporate America yeah. financially. But what good is making a lot of money if you really can't find the time to spend it or you can't spend it with the people you want to spend it with? Right. I can give you, you know, 20 million a year. But if I say you have to work 100 hours a week and take time away from your family and friends, then that money is ultimately worthless. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because you're just making a bunch of money living in a nice house that you don't really get to enjoy because you're just sleeping mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. Well, you might as well sleep in a hotel. If yeah. That's the case. Yeah. And honestly, I slept in a hotel the majority of the time because I traveled for work. Yeah. Quite a bit. And so, um, no, my income is definitely passed where it was in corporate America. And I think yeah. it passed where it could have eventually got to. Gotten to. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because the reason I was hustling those Googox is I figured that out. 
1996 because mm. everybody I was a freshman in 95 okay everybody had internships I didn't grow up in a corporate type household so I was just going to college because my mom and daddy told me to mm-hmm. but at the end of the year everybody was going to work in internships and I was going back home to San Antonio so I'm a pretty competitive person so I said if everybody else got internships I want an internship yeah. so I worked my butt off that semester applied and did everything I knew and I got an internship with a local rental car company so for that three months in that summer, I worked from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., mm-hmm. fought my way through traffic. I was on the west side of Austin, made it back home to ri- over on Riverside, yep. 7.45, 8 o'clock, ate dinner, 9.30. I was so tired. I went to bed just to wake up to repeat the cycle over and over and over again. Yep. And I quickly, within three weeks, came to the same conclusion. I said the exact same thing you just said. What's the point? Of having a bunch of money in the bank if you never have time to enjoy it. Yep. What's the point of having a house if you never have time to go there? And that was my impetus for starting Googogs when I was 19 years old. I just came to that conclusion way earlier. Well, I wish I, I wish I failed uh, way earlier and, yeah. and, and realized that. It took me a while to realize it. But once I realized it, then I had to find that next passion to actually make money. Yeah. Right? Because... There's a lot of people that want to start their own business and and be an entrepreneur. It's yeah. not right for everyone, but for those, then you have to find, okay, what is that business? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And then how do I succeed at it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that was my struggle. I knew I could run a business. I just didn't have a passion for anything that I thought could make money. Yeah. And now with social media, like you and I come from the, like the days where we would stand outside of parties and pass out flyers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was no Instagram or Facebook marketing where we could just push a button and it does that. We had to road trip to pass yeah. out yeah. Cap Alpha Psi Flyers, Alpha Phi Alpha Flyers. Yeah. We had to. That was a physical thing. Yeah. You could run a business from sitting on a toilet right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like in, in one hour, I could reach more people than I could have reached in two weeks road yeah. tripping for yeah. a step for a step show. Yeah. You yeah. know, so the world changed and made it easier for me to, to make money doing things that I didn't think you could really make money yeah. doing, if that makes sense. So let's talk about your business. We have we okay. talking a lot about it. You're talking around it. Yeah, yeah. Urban Events Global. Let's talk about how you started, how you expanded and what it is that you actually do. So people know. Right. So from a nutshell, I bring African-Americans from around the country together to have fun and enjoy travel together in a safe in a safe space, in a safe environment. Right. And so how I started was I went on a camping trip uh, with some friends during the summertime. Me, my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, which today's her birthday, which is random. But um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, I just texted her from the parking lot. But, um, yeah. but anyway, um, we went camping. It's like eight or nine of us. We went out there, had a good time, posted some pictures on Facebook. And people said, hey, I want to go next time you go. Mind you, I didn't really care because people just talk, right? I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll let you know next summer when yeah. we go. Yeah. Well, next summer came around, I reminded a couple of people that we were going, now it's like 30, 30 people. You know, like, hey, you bring the eggs, I bring the bread, you bring the this, you bring the that. Cool, we're just having fun. The next year, it was almost like 200 people, and I was like, wait a minute, this can be an actual business. Yeah. This can be a thing. Yeah. And so, it grew from there. Um, then, it got to the point that people were like, hey, we don't want to wait a whole another year, like, do one in the fall. I was like, no, I have better things to do than, than <laughs> yeah. camping. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I have yeah, a real yeah. job. I don't know about y'all, but I actually have a job. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I said, all right, I'll do it in the fall. The fall was almost as big, like 75% of the summer, right? And I was like, all right, cool. So it just kept growing and got bigger. Um, I also never stopped traveling. I've traveled my whole life, right? 
I was born in Frankfurt, Germany. My mom was in the military, my dad was in the military, but my mom's a single parent. We traveled my whole life. So traveling was something that, I, that I've always done. So I would still travel and post pictures. So now they're like, yeah. hey, we wanna to travel too. Yeah. I'm like, well, I kind of travel for me, not for y'all. Yeah, you, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that, that's kind of selfishly, I, I don't wanna be around y'all. I yeah. don't travel <laughs> for me. And so I started putting together little trips for other people that we can all go on and then that grew. So I just added that into the, into the fold and then it just grew from there. So now we do about six to eight events a year from Dubai, Cape Town, South Africa, Barbados, every Caribbean island you could probably think from like St. Lucia, Bahamas, you know, Barbados. Um, yeah, and we go on cruises. Uh, so yeah, so that's kinda, that's kinda, uh, that's kinda where we're at. That's, yeah. that's what we do. And I try to do six to eight events a year no more than that yeah. because then it's no longer fun for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know I what I mean? You, I got you. And so, uh, you know, when, when I think about growth, I, I'm not saying I don't want to grow anymore. I'm saying I like the events that we do and I want to just keep doing those events and chill for yeah. the next three or five years. Cause I, I have a three-year-old and I want to spend more time with my daughter. Right. And that's yeah. why, again, that's why we do it. We do it for our family and our loved ones. So, yeah. so, I want to keep Urban Events Global at six to eight events a year. People come out, have a good time, network, relax, have a safe space to be around us, um, for us, by us, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Unapologetically. And we get to travel and have a good time. So let me ask you this, and, and, and I, haven't, I may have missed something. So when I first started traveling, I traveled pretty extensively, kind of internationally. And I remember I used to think, oh, I want to go to Paris. I want to go to London. Mm -hmm. And I messed around and went on a trip to Morocco. Okay. And then I said, oh, man, this is great. And I, we just came back from Cairo. Mm -hmm. And I started just finding, I've, I've been to Johannesburg. I've been to Kenya. Had mm -hmm. a wonderful time. And let's just say I've never been to Paris. I've been, never been to London. Mm -hmm. it, and I realized that somehow, just as this culture kind of tells us how we're supposed to look, what we should value, what's important mm -hmm. in terms of the places we travel, we think that we, we should go to Paris and London, mm -hmm. all these Europeanized places. Right. Now, I've been to Italy. Okay. I've had a great time in Florence. I've been to Rome. I've been to... Uh, oh, man, I just... In Greece, Santorini, had a ball there. Look at you. But... For me, I have more. I've had way more fun when I travel to African uh, nations. Yeah. Now I know a lot of your trips. You've done a lot of trips to Africa. You've mm -hmm. done Dubai. I've never seen a Paris. I've mm -hmm. never seen an Italy. Is that strategic? Or very why is very that? strategic. Because I've been to those places individually, um, and I'm just not interested in yeah. taking yeah. our people there. I think there's better places yeah. uh, to take them. And you know, we'll do a poll on our website every now and then, as far as like, where do you guys want to go? Yeah. And if it's a place I've been and I feel comfortable taking people, then we'll go. So, for yeah. example, I've been to Cuba, but I don't feel comfortable taking a large group to Cuba yeah. because, like, the, the infrastructure, the Wi-Fi, yeah. some of the smaller things that make group travel slightly more difficult, I wouldn't take them there. But people don't realize Africa is made up of over 50 countries, Yeah. right? When you're in, in school, when you look at a globe, Africa is not drawn to scale. Mm -hmm. Africa yeah. is shrunk on the globe. On every map, every globe, 90% of them, Africa is shrunk. Like, you know, when you look at the United States and in school, when you look at the Northeast, like New York, Connecticut, they have to put the name of it because they're so small. Rhode Island, you got to put the name of it like off to the side. Yeah. If you drew Africa to scale, most of the countries on this earth would have to be 
that size. Yeah. People yeah. don't realize that. Yeah. But you could fit the United States, China, and a bunch of other countries on the continent of Africa. So when people say, I want to go to Africa, I'm like, you got to narrow that down. Yeah. That, yeah. Africa's huge. And, and yeah. so, but, but, but the world, and I'm not going to get into the politics of why you want to make Africa smaller. You can come up to your own conclusions and do your own research on that. But just know Africa is shrunk to size to make European countries look bigger. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. But, but I, I do enjoy going to Ghana, Cape Town, South Africa, all these different places and showing our community that there's, there's some beautiful places out there with people that, with our skin tone. Yeah. And they're not like what you see on TV. Yeah. You're not sleeping in a hut on a teepee or you're not, mm -hmm. there's not lions running around or right like, no, this is, it's, it's a civilization. Yeah. It, it, it's, people have cars and jobs and, yeah. it's, but people don't, they don't see that. And I understand yeah. just like when I go there and I'm talking to them about America, they only know what they see on the soap operas yeah. or on reality TV. Uh -huh. So if you say you're from Texas, they're like, oh, like the soap opera Dallas or yeah. something. Yeah. They think that's the real yeah. Texas. They think that's all of Texas. So, so it's, it's, you know, you, you broaden your horizons when you travel and you start talking to people. I'd rather go to a, a hole in the wall in Cape Town, South Africa and talk to some locals about mm -hmm. life. Like just the economics of life. I was an economics major. I like to know about the economics of life, of living in that society, and what what your value system is. And you start to see that everyone in the world want they want the same stuff: security, yep. a roof over their head, yep. clean water, a little bit of food in the refrigerator. Like that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then how you go about it is is can change, but it's all the same. You know, that makes me think of three stories, and I'm gonna tell really quickly. First time I went to Africa, Johannesburg, mm -hmm. direct flight from Atlanta to Johannesburg. We flew, we left at about 8.30 at night. We was flying probably about seven, eight hours. Mm -hmm. And you look at the little map, it tell you where you're at. We were hidden Africa. Mm -hmm. Now, Johannesburg is at the bottom. Yeah. We flew Another, dang near 12 to yeah. 15 more hours. Yeah. Yeah. And we were still over Africa. Yeah. And I was like, man, yeah. you know, this is a big place. So that's the first story I tell. Hey, but before you go to the second one, yeah. I, I chat like anybody listening, Google uh, Africa and countries that could fit in Africa. Yeah. And you'll see a map that shows different countries that could fit on the whole continent of Africa. You yep. see the USA here, China here. All this is one continent. All right, go ahead. Yep. Second story, when me and my wife went to uh, Morocco, we did a food tour in uh, Casablanca. Mm -hmm. That was the most fun we ever had. Yeah. It was, a, and what I learned is, specifically when I went to Johannesburg, we went to the Europeanized parts where it was. Mm -hmm. They told us, "Don't go outside this gate. Something might happen to you." Mm -hmm. You know, so they put fear in you, mm -hmm. and you're in places that looks like the Galleria Mall, but you're in Africa. Uh -huh. You really don't get the experience, mm -hmm. but. Uh, Morocco was about our third trip, so we began to get a little bit more comfortable, more adventurous. Yep. So we got with one of the locals who had a food, who was doing a food tour. He took us in the neighborhoods. We went to the market, bought fish, went to some lady's house. They mm -hmm. cooked it up, sat out on the patio, ate and talked. And it was just such a rich experience. Yep. And then the third story. Hold on. So before you go to that story, I had a similar experience in, in, uh, in Egypt, just like that. Yeah. But. I would encourage anyone to take a food tour, especially if you're traveling to a Caribbean island, take the food tour, the walking food tour, take them in any island, because mm -hmm. you'll learn not only about food, but you'll learn about the slave trade and how food migrated from 
West Africa to the islands, through the South, like South Carolina, Georgia, Texas. A lot of the foods that we eat come from those islands, which came from West Africa yeah. as well. So food tours, even if you're not a foodie, I'm not a foodie, but I enjoy the food tours because it, it, it helps me understand how food also migrated in culture. Okay, yeah. sorry. So the third story, when I was in Kenya, okay. we were doing a mission trip. Okay. We were on this bus. We were in our nice little Europeanized hotel. They said, <laughs> we're going to uh, Kibera. That's one of the, if you've heard of it, mm -hmm. one of the largest slums in Kenya. Mm -hmm. So we're driving, we drive 20 minutes, we're on a road, and then it becomes a one lane road, and then it's a dirt road, and then we're going to these little villages, and it's just thousands of people all around. And you could tell, bus full of black people, mm -hmm. but all of us were scared, petrified. <laughs> What's going on? And then we got to the place, and it was like it was like an auditorium, if you will. It's like just the center of the village, mm -hmm. all dirt, and just people all around. And we were kind of like, oh, my goodness, we done got in too far here. Man, we got off the bus. The people were so nice. Yeah. They were so friendly. We had a great time. We fed thousands of people. And what I realized, kind of like you said, just as Africans have certain perceptions about us mm -hmm. because of what they see on TV, mm -hmm. we have certain perceptions about them. Right. We sense fear. We were scared because it was an environment that we had never been exposed to. Right. I tell people the same thing when I tell them where I do my real estate investing. I'm right in the hood, mm -hmm. South Park, Sunnyside, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and people, oh, man, oh, you're going to get shot out there and this, that, and the other. But the reality is it's all about the economics of it yep. and it, the numbers work. And I, I don't have no statistics, but the way they put all this stuff in our head, it makes us want to go to safe European countries Absolutely. to perpetuate their economics, but we're not trying to build the economics of our motherland we're detached from it exactly so. exactly they, they they and again i don't want to go down the wrong path but they use the motherland as a place to take a lot of our resources yeah um but i'll leave it at that i will we'll, we'll, yeah so let's let's talk back about really the core of what black money tree is okay. it's about building wealth and uh changing our community i heard an interview from you where, it, once again, me and you think a lot of light. Unfortunately, you're a Kappa. But uh, you, were, you were talking about how growing up, you saw the Rodney King beating yeah. and all the other things that went on. And we ride, we throw rocks, we do all this stuff, and nothing changes. Right. That same thought process was what made me start the Black Money Tree. Mm -hmm. After, um, I believe, uh, so many of them, I can't even remember now, Amara Arbery or yeah. uh, Trayvon Martin yeah. or, uh, the gentleman in New York that got choked out. I think last name was Green. Yep, yep. Um, and For everybody selling, selling stuff outside yeah. the store. Yeah. So it's always this seven to ten day period where everybody's posting pictures, rest in peace, this, that, and the yeah. other. And I think somehow subconsciously we feel like we've done something to address the problem and haven't done anything. And haven't done anything. But preach and, to the choir. And I sit back and I'm like, this is never going to change until we make some economic changes. Mm -hmm. And that's when I came up with the concept of the black money tree. And I said, I want to do something to help mm -hmm. African-Americans build wealth because I believe that that's the foundation for us changing our communities. Why would individuals who benefit from your oppression help you out of that oppression? It makes no sense. Zero. But that's the way we've been taught and we've been trained and we think that the, uh, the, this system that we, we're all a part of. I love America. It's great. Mm. It has a lot of benefits, but it's really not designed for 
us to get ahead. Not That's just the yeah. reality. Yeah. Um, some of it's a large part of it is racially based, but most of it's economically based. Yep. It's yep. just those up top with the resources don't want those at the bottom to have access to those resources. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. And, and I believe you shared in the interview, that's why you founded Urban Events Global or you were some along those lines. I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after having to hide your, you know, like, like for example, when I started Urban Events Global or Urban Camp Weekend, I didn't even promote it on my social media page that much because I had coworkers on my mm. social media page. Yeah. They only knew the suit and tie, Kevin Knight. Yeah. They didn't know the quasi-rebellious side of, of yeah. Kevin Knight. But you have to play a game to, to, to get ahead. So I was playing the game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get as much money as I can and then start my own business and make it unapologetically call Urban Events Global, Urban Camp Weekend, Urban This, Urban... Because I wasn't scared anymore. Yeah. I, I didn't care. You can't, you can't take it back from me now. I can call it whatever I want to call it. You yeah. know, but I wanted people to know, when you see an email that comes from Urban Events Global, when you see this in your inbox, whether it's a sponsor, a campground, a, a hotel, you know exactly what you're getting. So if you don't want us there, now's a good time to, to, to not reply <laughs> to my email and we don't have to waste each other's time. Yeah. Cause yeah, this yeah. is what you're going to get when I walk in there. Yeah. I'm not dressing up. Like I dressed up for you today. This is yeah. dressing up, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sweatpants and a t-shirt when I yeah. walk into every other meeting, because yeah. in my mind, that's what I always wanted to do. Yeah. But again, I dressed up for you, you know, yeah. but, yeah. but, 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 I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and again, I was an economics major, and you're right. It's not all racially based. It's money based. It's, you know, if they can make money with you, mm-hmm. yeah. then you're in the room. Yeah. But if they can't make money with you, you're, not, you're no longer in the room, right? So I, I, don't, I don't remember the, the, the foundation of the question, but I do remember when you mentioned the interview that I did about all the racial injustices. Again, I was numb to that after Rodney King. Rodney King was our generation's George Floyd. Yeah. Right. So once America showed me who they were, I'm like, okay, got it. Like my mom had already told me, but now y'all showed me. Right. And I was, when, when was that? When was Rodney King? 96, 95, 94? Yeah, somewhere around there. I was in high school, whenever yeah. it was. And so, 94, 95. So. Yeah. So I was a freshman, sophomore in high school. I knew everything I needed to know right then and there. Yeah. Y'all aren't for us. Yeah. Cool. Y'all, y'all, you've already showed me that, but now you're really showing that to me. So when I start my own company, I want, I want them to know, hey, black people, this is a company where it's safe to travel, it's safe to come network, let's generate some ideas, because it's not all about partying and traveling. We do sit down, have good conversations. Some of those people that I've met, I'm actually in business with on the real estate side. You know, we just bought a racetrack in Kilgore, Texas. So I bought Lone Star Speedway, which is a, 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 like 55 acres of land, and an RV park and a barnuminium. We haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. but I that, saw it on the Facebook. I was gonna go there, yeah, but you beat me. But but <laughs> but like like they say, the revolution won't be televised. We have to do stuff not only like this for the people to see, but we have to do stuff behind the scenes to also infiltrate those areas of land where you're just like a lot of other cultures come to America and secretly buy up a bunch of land or a bunch of real estate, and we have to do the same thing, and we're doing it in different capacities, but we just got to do more, more of it. No, that's so good, man. This has been a blessing to have you here. The only thing I will say that I will, I will give you a little bit of pushback on, okay. but, and I want to just make sure it was clarified for our, for our audience. You talked about going into the meetings, sweatpants, shirts. 
you had to graduate to that level. Absolutely. Because there's this thing with this culture now, I'm keeping it 100. Well, no, 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 no. If you need economics, you need resources, there's a such thing as emotional intelligence. You right. can't keep it real. Right. I think about, uh, I agree. there was that whole Dave Chappelle thing. He used to have well, that Keeping skin. it real goes keeping wrong. Keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah. And the dude want to keep it real, get beat up, and they show what yeah. his life would have been like before or yeah. had he not kept it real. So let me clarify. Let me clarify. Yeah. So for 16 years, I wore the uniform yeah. of a suit and tie. Yeah, and that's every what I was day. going to clarify. Yeah, let me clarify. Yeah. I wore yeah. a suit and tie every day. I had a nice haircut like yours. Every Sunday, I got a haircut so yeah. I can go to work on Monday looking good. People don't even understand why a black man gets a haircut once a week, once every two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, we, we know when we need to edge up. We know how to look yeah. the part, the corporate part, so you can put me in front of these clients when I'm working at AIG or Bank of America for these major corporations. But now as an entrepreneur, yeah. they know a lot of the sponsors in the campgrounds, they know who I am before I walk in. Yeah. They've already done their Google research. They looked at the company. So they already know what they need to know. It's yeah. a black owned company. They're going to be doing some black people stuff in their opinion. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's no need for me to throw on a suit and tie when you've already been on my Instagram page and my yeah. YouTube videos and I'm partying and hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're also at a point in our career where you either want to deal with us or you don't want to deal with us yeah. at, at this point. Um, can you block your blessings with that mentality? Absolutely. You can block your blessings and somebody may be like, ah, that's a little too risky. I don't know if I want those urban event global people or that Kevin Knight character in my, in my venue, yeah. right? So I'm not saying everybody go out there and wear whatever you want to wear and let your hair just grow out and not yeah. care, but you can graduate to that, to that position yeah. at some point. No, I, I think that's good. I just want to make sure we yeah, clarify yeah, that. Yeah, I don't yeah. want everybody just thinking they can say what they want. Nah, and nah. then the man is coming after you if you lose your job. Nah, you so, can't go out there like yeah. Kanye and just say what you want to say in interviews yeah. unless you got Kanye money and you want to deal with those yeah. Kanye repercussions. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. If you could deal with it, do it. If you can't deal with it and you yeah. still need to go to somebody else to get some money and sponsors, you might want to play the game yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this has been so good, Kev. So I'm going to wrap it up. I know we already over time, but tell us a little bit about anything else you want to share. Um, where can we find you on social media? What's the next event? Anything else? Um, our next event is going to be in Dubai for New Year's. But overall, I would say Google Urban Events Global. And excuse my speech impediment, but Urban Events, E-V-E-N-T-S, Global. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok. We're on everything, LinkedIn, whatever social media platform you can find Urban Events Global and you'll see all the other brands from there. Um, besides that, man, I just I appreciate the support. I like what you're doing and somebody should interview you for one of these uh, shows <laughs> one day. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kev. It's been a pleasure having you on Appreciate the Black it, Money Tree Podcast. And there you have it, Urban Events Global. Once again, we thank you for joining us for another episode of the Black Money Tree Podcast. Make sure you go to our website at theblackmoneytree.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're bringing you more powerful content to help you build your wealth so that you can build your community. Get the new book. Closing the Wealth Gap, How to Build Wealth in Black Communities by Investing in Real Estate. Also available at theblackmoneytree.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Black Money Tree Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this video. And if you want more content like this, Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next time.